Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. We are in this series, Who Am I? And last week I started this message called The Wanting Heart. And we had three points. I'm gonna recap those three points briefly and then I'm gonna cover the last two points. Please put your listening ears on because this third point is powerful. And this morning in my time with the Lord, it was, it was like, wow, okay. Um, I hadn't thought about all that to that degree. I'm gonna start sharing some of the things that he spoke to me this morning. So I, I, my, my intent is not to drag this out, but it kind of hit me, this fifth point, in ways that I hadn't thought about I just hadn't taken the time, but the Lord gave it to me today. Maybe he'd get it because he knew that I needed to have it fresh in my memory. But um, I, I really believe a lot of this on the fifth point. I'm, kind of, I'm not going to get into it yet, but I'm kind of setting the stage because I want you to understand that this whole thing with the sickness that we're dealing with. And if some of you were here earlier and you saw there was some conflict out in the cafe because somebody was not happy about the parking situation. Those are not just accidental Again, there is an enemy that's raging. And I think one of the reasons he's raging because he knows people are gonna get set free and they're people that he's had for a long time, okay? They're believers, and I'm really talking about all of you, okay, that I know. You're believers, but there's probably an area of your life that you haven't got a freedom in yet. You might not even realize you needed freedom in yet, but the enemy knew it, and he's like, I don't wanna let that last little bit go. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna do everything I can to mess with you. You heard last week about Chris and the, 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 the two potential car accidents he almost got into. Well, if you know Mark Bolos, uh, Mark Bolos posted this last week on that same day that Chris almost had a head-on accident, Mark did have an accident, okay? And, and I really do believe the enemy is not happy about what's taking place. Listen, 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 listen. I love it when the enemy rages because it means he's going down. He rages just before God does something good and just after, okay? So understand, if he's not raging, he's probably thinking, I got nothing to fear. But when he has something to fear, then he can't go after God, so the only thing he can do is go after the very image of God, and that's you, okay? So please, please be wily to the schemes of the enemy. Be wise to them. Know them and understand them. That many things in life that we just chalk up is just, oh, well, that's just coincidence. It's, well, it's just life. Uh, no, it's not. And I don't mean that there's a demon or the devil around every single corner. But we have to be able to learn to discern. And by the way, Charles Spurgeon said this. Discernment is not understanding the difference between good and bad. An orangutan can do that. Discernment is understanding the difference between what's good and what's almost good. Because it can be very, very confusing at times. So we need to understand. We need to be discerning. 
Because the enemy doesn't just show up, obviously, as I said before, in red tights and a pitchfork. Okay? He just shows up and it's just life. You with me? So we're in this series. So let me recap. Last week, we talked about the orphan heart. If you did not listen to last week's message, you've got to go back and listen to it. It's going to make this message a lot more understandable for you. But the orphan heart manifests in two possible ways. A spiritual orphan, and we're going to talk about the spiritual orphan as far as the other son, the one that stayed home. We're going to focus on him next week. But a spiritual orphan's are either religious or they're rebellious. This is the person that can't talk to you without talking about, you know, talking in King James or throwing a scripture at you for everything. They come across as very religious, very pious, or they're very rebellious. This is the person that literally lives like hell all week long. They don't care about you. They don't care about themselves. They certainly don't care about God. And by the way, some of those people are in churches every week. They're just going to church because they bought the fire insurance. Okay? Or uh, they're rebellious in, or legalistic. Again, one of the others, they're rebe religious rebellious or legalistic or lawless. That's the word I'm looking for. Again, legalism. It's all about keeping the rules. The Bible says this right here and you didn't do that, you, you heathen. Or they're lawless. Again, it's just like, well, you know, hey, grace just covers it all so I can do anything I want. Again, it's a, it's a wrong attitude. Or they actually struggle with sin. They can't get it under control. Or they're acting self-righteous all the time. You need to remember, both of these people with this orphaned heart, we're not talking about unsaved people here. I'm talking about people that are professing Christians and they're in the church I'm going to show you later on. We use the story of the, the prodigal son all the time, as, and, and, and it's okay to do this, is, is that we're talking about people who are lost, who are far from the Lord, or unsaved, and getting saved. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I really believe this story is more about people who are saved than it is about people who are unsaved. There's a lot in here. Because you need to remember, the prodigal son, while he was still living the prodigal life, was still a son. And according to Jesus... Only those who believe in him have the rights to be called sons and daughters. So when I hear people say, oh, we're all God's children. No, we are not. We are all God's creation. But only those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior have the right to be called sons and daughters. And if you don't like it, don't email me because it's in red letters. Jesus said it, not me. So I would encourage you, feel free to take it up with him. Tell me how it works out for you. Okay, and then I'll email everybody and tell them how how's that sound. So good idea. All right, so we're not picking a fight with me. We we got that. Don't don't email me on that. Okay, yes. I look people. I'm emailing you. I'm getting some of that looks right now. Okay. All right. So we had the two orphan hearts. The, the points that we talked about last week were number one. We talked about the day that he wanted. That was point number one. And the prodigal son had a rebellious spirit, but it started with his orphaned heart. And again, rebellion is when what I want doesn't match what I got. So when what I want doesn't match what I got. Remember, the Lord is more concerned about what you need versus than what you want. And I can almost think somebody right now sitting here going, but he gives us the desires of our heart. 
And we think of that scripture along the lines of that, well, I want this, so he's going to give this to me. The proper exegesis or proper interpretation, the proper meaning of that means that he gives, in other words, he puts the right desires in your heart. When you seek him first, those desires are going to match up with what he wants. Not what you want. And we read it the opposite way all the time. The second thing that we talked about, as soon as I scroll down to it here, is the day he wasted. We said his, his want turned to waste. He wasted everything he had. It was because his distance from the father, he had left the comfort, he had left the protection, he had left the home of the father, and it caused waste. One of the things I shared with you last week was that our inheritance from the Lord only works at home in the presence of the Lord. So think about everything that we're promised as sons and daughters, as believers, the abundant life does not happen for you if you are out of relationship with the Lord. If you're just out there wasting in doing what you want, even with the gifts that he gave you, you will find yourself squandering those. That's actually what the prodigal means. It means really just to waste, to, to be a spendthrift. You're taking what should have been used at home and you're blowing it everywhere else and it will leave you destitute. The third thing that we talked about was the day he realized the day he realized he was in trouble. In other words, he got a clue. He's like, uh, duh, this isn't working too well for me here. I, I need to do something different. He had to come to the realization that things were not as they were supposed to be. It's amazing to me how many times with people in the church, I hear conversations about things that are going on in their life, and they say that they feel like they're, they're not hearing from the Lord. Well, it doesn't take too long to figure out, well, the reason why you're not hearing him is because you're in a different zip code. Yeah. You want to hear from him, you better get in proximity to him. And you do that under his terms, not yours. See, he's always faithful. But you and I have to make a decision that we're going to do our part first. He's already done his part. He did it at the cross. It's already done. But you're not going to realize it. You're not going to experience it. It's not going to become a reality of your life if you're out of position. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean I'm not talking about you're out of position, that you're unsaved. Again, I, I just said it again. I'm going to say it again later on this message as well. The son was still a son even though he was a prodigal. But even as a son, he found himself slopping with the pigs. And that was his choice. And we do it all the time. How come I'm not being blessed? How come I'm always struggling with this? And there's, there's some very basic reasons for some of this stuff. Well, you're, you're, you're struggling because, well, I've noticed you come to church 1.7 times a month. You don't get into discipleship groups. Uh, you don't tithe and you wonder why your finances are a mess. Sorry. 
The Lord, it's the only thing the Lord says, test me on this and see if I won't be faithful. It's the only time in scripture he says it. And people still won't do it. Let me tell you something. If somebody guaranteed you a winning lottery ticket, would you not go and get it? Seriously, answer, would you not go and get it if you knew you had the winning lottery ticket? All you had to do was go over there and pick it up. Okay, most of you wouldn't. Do me a favor, go and pick it up and give it to me if you're not going to. Okay. But actually, I think it's kind of, you know what's really interesting about that little survey I just did is how few of you responded, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. So few of us respond to the instruction of the Lord. Nah, don't want to do that. I don't want to answer the question. I know I'm hitting home, not just on tithing. I'm talking about other things as well. Well, I'm saved, grace covers me, so yeah, I can, just, you know, I can do what I want. I can, go do the, I can go live like the rest of the world. I just won't cuss in front of the pastor. And when people at church ask me how I'm doing, oh, praise the Lord, brother, I'm, I'm doing fine, Jesus is good. We really are so fake so much of the time. And we wonder why it's not there. So that's a recap of last week. Again, if you haven't heard it, please go back and listen to it. So here, let's pick up on point number four. This is the day, remember point number three was he realized, got a clue. Point number four is the day he went home. The day he went home. It's one thing to realize you're in trouble. It's a whole nother thing to respond to it. Uh, my father used to stand on this platform years ago and he said, making a decision, Val, you'll probably remember this, making a decision to not decide is making a decision. You've decided not to decide. You can choose not to respond. But you gotta catch this. He had to do the returning. See, the father never left where he was. The father was constantly there and we know from scripture it says he was watching the father's like, I'm here, but I'm watching. He's staying vigilant for when the son not just realized he was in trouble, but when the son decided to go ahead and return. The smallest of the verse in this whole story is verse 20, and it just says this, so he returned home to his father. Do you realize how hard that is? I'm not saying this is easy peasy. It's hard. Uh, you know, and, uh, excuse the verbiage, but an idiot can do the wrong thing. That's the reason why they're idiots. All right, sin is easy and it's fun. Doing the hard thing, it's not easy, and I get that. And, you, and that's the reason why we have to walk together with each other and encourage each other and build each other up. And we have to be in proximity to each other because I can't help Robert Clive, again, if he's living across the country. Or if I never hear from him, not to, not to pick on Robert, he's an example. I, I, as your pastor, I can't help you if you don't avail yourself of the stuff that myself and the other leaders have made available to you. If you're not going to engage in worship, if you're not going to engage in a rooted group, if you're not going to engage in prayer and fasting, that's, what else can we do? We, we've laid everything out there for you. That, that's our part. But you still have to do your part. But it's, it's hard. And here's the reason why. Because shame gets such a death grip on us. Shame. Shame. We all deal with it. 
But we have to overcome the orphan heart, and that's what, the, that's what this prodigal son did. I'm sure he was feeling shamed. It was probably, have you ever, don't raise your hand if you don't want to, but if, I mean, if you can relate to this, you'd raise your hand, say amen, whatever you want to do. But have you ever done something and then found yourself shortly afterwards looking in a mirror or about to look in a mirror and you just kind of, I, I just, I can't look in the mirror. Anybody ever done that? Or, or maybe it was like you did something and you know you shouldn't have and you were feeling, you would use the word embarrassed, but you tried to avoid the person that you knew that, oh man, they know it. Yeah. And so like, well, I don't want to deal with it. So I just, I won't, I'll make certain that I don't see them at church. I'll sit in the other side of the sanctuary. Or I know that they're not there on certain Sundays. That's when I'll go. Okay? We've, we've all done that stuff. We all, we've all done it with our employers. Okay? That's like, yeah, I know as soon as that word gets out, I'm going to the principal's office. So I'm going to avoid. I feel sick today. Okay? And we do the same thing spiritually. I'm trying to give you practical examples. We do the same thing spiritually. Uh, I've done the same thing before. When I know, when I know that I've done something or said something that the Lord is not going to let me get away with, what I've found is I have a hard time going into prayer. Because I know that I launch a prayer, Father, uh, because this always, Father, I love you. Thank you so much. I always give him adoration. And I just feel like he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know, he's like, I appreciate that. I love you, son. But we're still going to talk about this. And it's like, but I just said how great you are. And you're so full of mercy and grace. Have we got to talk about it? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being real. I'm just being real. But what I've learned is those times, what, 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 if I finally got what the Lord finally told me, is Robert, he said, son, every time you feel that way, that's the time I want you to come as quick as you can because I want to wrap my arms around you. I want you to know that no matter what you just said or did, there's no daylight between you and I. You're still my son. But shame, shame takes a toll. That's why... You've heard me say before, here at City Hope Church, which might be reimagined church pretty soon, I don't know. We'll find out later today. But we are not in the business of shaming people. This is the reason why when people come to me and talk about their sin, I'm in very intentional about this. I don't react. Matter of fact, I'll usually just sort of like, I'll just nod. I get it. I get it. Shame makes it harder to go home. And I don't want people to ever feel like they can't come back here and have this be a safe place. Because church is where broken people belong. In relationship with each other. Remember, I've said before, we, at times we get hurt in community. Many times. That's the very place you're also going to get healed is in community. And it's the one thing the enemy will convince you to do. Don't do that because you did something shameful. Well, of course, we all do things that are shameful. But we don't have to wear the shame. Remember, Jesus bore the shame of the cross so that you and I wouldn't have to bear the shame. 
So we don't shame each other. The, the only time death ever or sin ever has a death grip on you is when you fail to recognize it and fail to do something about it. It's the only time that it has any power or authority in your life. But if we get in the habit of choosing to walk in freedom and say, I haven't got to own this, the Lord is faithful to forgive. And you and I are freed from that shame. Don't ever think that you can out-sin God's love and his grace. And there's so much scripture on this. But we're not in the business of shaming people here because it makes it harder for them to go home. It makes it harder for them to let their heart run back to the Father. And, And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying, hey, if you're sinning, it's okay. That's not what I'm saying. We're still called to righteous living. But we walk in righteous living Because our heart is in right standing. See, when our heart, we don't have an orphan heart, but we have the heart of a son or a daughter, we always know that no matter what I just wasted, the Lord can always redeem that, but I'm in right standing with a father. I haven't got to be in shame about this because as soon as I deal with this, with him, I'm going to get some reward, and that's in point number five. We'll talk about it in a minute. But we don't ever want to find ourselves shamed. So this, again, these verses, this story about the prodigal son, I don't really believe these were intended to be verses regarding unbelievers. Because these are sons. This is a verse that every believer in this room needs to understand and learn to start to walk in. Because we have a tendency to be rebellious too. All right, now here's point number five. This is the good news. This is the good news. And I think you're going to learn some things that I hope. Matter of fact, this morning, my time with the Lord is like, Lord, please anoint me. Give me what I need to drive this point home because I'm going to share some things with you that aren't in my notes that today I just really felt the Lord, I'm doing something. If you'll get this, I'm doing something. I'm going to drive this home. And I think I'm going to be able to articulate it effectively. I guess the question is, are you going to receive it completely? Because that's your job. See, as a pastor, I can tell you truth. I, 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 can, I can explain to you the Greek and the Hebrew. I can do proper exegesis. I can do all, That's my part. But at some point, you have to not just be takers of what I'm saying. You have to be receivers of what I'm saying. And there's a big difference between taking a truth and receiving it. Because taking it means I've done this with it. And I've slipped up my back pocket for a rainy day. That, that, that's taking. Receiving means I just receive this in the place where my decisions are made, in my will. Remember, the battle is always in the mind. It's retraining your thinking. So here's point number five. The day he was redeemed. The day he was redeemed. Luke 15, starting at verse, well, this is verses 20 and 21, says this. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. So the father's watching. You have a heavenly father who is always focused on you like a laser, waiting to see the day you start returning. And I guarantee when he sees it, he does what he did. He'll do with you what he did with me. He's going to hike up that robe and he's going to come fly into you. 
The father didn't even wait for the son to make it all the way home into that exact spot. You have a heavenly father who's willing to meet you halfway. What you perceive is halfway. You haven't got to earn it. He's going to take some of the sting off of it. So I want to pretend for a minute like we don't know the rest of the story. We don't know what happened in the story. Just pretend. But his dad sees him coming. So let's discuss what happened. First of all, I want to talk to you. Technically, this is what should have happened. According to the law, according to the law, this is what should have happened. Again, think about the woman caught in adultery. Jesus kneels down. He's drawing in the dirt and says these words, hey, uh, whichever one of you, um, like, uh, you know, never did this, um, cast for stone, and they all turn and walked away, right? Yes? So he turns to the woman, he says, where are your accusers? She says, I have none. This is powerful. This is God the Father saying, well, that's funny, because I don't accuse you either. But he doesn't ignore the sin. He says, go and sin no more. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing here. I'm not going to accuse you either. I just drove away your accusers. But under the law, they had the right to stone her to death. They would have been well within their right to obey the Bible and do exactly what they wanted to do because the Bible says, don't do this, do this, to keep all the rules Jesus is more interested in keeping his relationship with you because he kept the rules because you can't. So just like the woman caught in adultery. So this is what should have happened except for mercy and grace. And we're gonna read this in Deuteronomy 21. If someone was stubborn and and rebellious son who does not obey his mother, his father and mother, and will not listen to them when they discipline him, His father and mother should take hold of him and bring him to the elders at City Hope Church. And they should say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He's a glutton and he's a drunkard. Listen, by law, they were supposed to shame them. Paul talks about this in Romans. It's not that the law wasn't good. The law puts a face on God and his character. That's one thing it does. The other thing that the law, the written law, the Torah did was to show us there's no way on earth you're ever gonna be able to keep this. There's no way. I've used the example before out here on on the arterial. There's a, as you come down through the light section here, there's a 45 mile an hour sign. It tells you what the limit is, but it cannot make you obey it. But if you don't, you might see some red and blue lights in your review mirror that are going to let you know you didn't do what you're supposed to. This is what the law does. So under the law, even in New Testament, if we want to take it out of context, every time somebody messes up, you shoulda, coulda, woulda. And churches have gotten really good at that. Now, What do we deserve? Romans 6, 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the wages of sin is death. Romans 3, 23 through 24 says this, for all have sinned, say all. All. Are you an all? 
every one of us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Remember, the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. I told you a couple weeks ago, or last week, I, I made this comment. Some of the most dangerous words we can ever say is, well, I deserve. Uh-huh, you do. According to the Bible, you deserve death. But you don't get what you deserve. You get mercy and grace. And I'm so thankful for this, the next part. And, and verse 24 says, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption. Say that word with me, Redemption. Redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Again, the story of the prodigal son is a story for you and I as believers. This is our story. And like the prodigal son, we deserved death. But we didn't get that. He did not receive what he deserved. And neither will you. And here's the reason why. Because of sonship and daughtership. Think about that. We're all ringing up a sin debt that we can never pay. And as long as you and I are breathing, we're gonna continue to do stuff. We'll never be able to pay for that. Good. Stop trying. Start walking as sons and daughters. Start walking in the reality of who you are. See, when, when that revelation comes and it hits in your heart, you realize I'm a son or I'm a daughter and, and I'm happy with that. I'm blessed with that. I feel forgiven. I feel free. I don't feel shamed. I don't feel the guilt anymore. And Father, I'm so thankful for, the, oh, that thing I was gonna do or that thing I did last week, I don't desire to do that anymore. See, that's where righteousness comes in because the polarity of your heart has just went from this and it went bloop and went that way because there's a change in here and that's where scripture talks about the circumcision of the heart. See, when your attitude changes, when, the, when you start to win the battle in your mind, your heart starts to follow and that's where righteous living comes in. But so many times we try to keep all the rules and our heart's in the wrong place. Our thinking is in the wrong place. And I'm trying to tell you, quit trying to earn this. Quit, quit trying to keep all the rules. Start following up on relationship. When Julie and I met, I didn't know all the rules and the family dynamics she had. I was interested in my relationship with her. And because I was focused on the relationship, I started to learn certain things that Julie liked, certain things that she didn't like. And so I could make certain that I walked accordingly because I was trying to be in right relationship with her. Now, sometimes I did find out what buttons to push and I found out they're kind of fun to push. Okay? I used to tell her, I'm getting your goat. Yeah, because I would, I would tease her about something and she'd go, wah, 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 and I'd say, I got your goat. I used to tell her, man, I got a whole, I got a whole field of goats because I've gotten so many of your goats so many times. Okay, listen, there, there's a playful time to it, but there's also times I push buttons and got her a goat and it wasn't playful. It wasn't playful. She's never done that with me. Okay? So that's my story. Moving on, Luke 15, verse 20. So here's what actually happens. We talked about what he deserved. We talked about what should have happened. Here's what does happen. 
okay? So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, say that with me, a long way off, okay? His father saw him coming. It simply means the father was watching. He's watching. Remember, your heavenly father is still watching you. He's not disgusted by you. He's not hurt by you. Listen to me, he has not disappointed you. I heard a pastor in a pulpit one time talk about people, and I can't remember the context. I, I probably shouldn't say this because I remember this or not, but I think he was actually talking about speaking in tongues. And I think he actually indicated that somebody who's not seeking the gift of speaking in tongues, the father was disappointed in them. And I'm like, seriously? Now, I know that he meant well, I think what he was doing, he just wasn't thinking before he spoke. Have you ever done that? Some words come out and you're like, eh, you should put them back in. Okay. I'm pretty sure to show him grace, that's what, what happened. But oh my goodness. People, I, I know there was a number of people sitting out there that were like two things. They, were like, they felt they were less than simply because they didn't speak in tongues. But I didn't want anybody here. Your father, Heavenly Father, is disappointed in you. Listen. There's a difference between the father not being happy with your actions and finding disappointment in you. You need to remember, he sees you perfected and he's not disappointed in his perfection. He wishes, he wills that you don't do these things, but it never changes his view of your complexion. Say it that way. He still sees you the same way because your son's. Your daughters. We, most of us in here have children. Did any of you ever see them fall or slip or do something they shouldn't have done or kind of crazy and go, oh, well, pff, I wish you'd give me a different one. No, no. So filled with love and compassion, those are two traits, love and compassion. He runs to his son, embraces him, and kisses him. In verse 21, this is where the orphaned heart raises its head one more time. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. How many times, again, have any of you ever felt just dirty? After you became a believer and you sinned, you're like, I'm dirty. It became accusatory. There's no, there's no hope for me. I keep doing this over and over again. Somebody told me when I was younger, I'd never amount to anything. That's not what the father does. Neither should you. You might be, you might be living this, this prodigal, carefree life, just doing your own thing. And, and yeah, it's not good. You're going to lose there's going to be some consequences, some natural consequences to it that just come with life, but it doesn't change the Father's perspective of you. Never has. Never will. So how did the Father respond to the orphan? Here it is in Luke 15, starting at verse 22. But his Father said to the servants, Quick! What he's saying is, don't waste any time here. I, I, I'm cleaning up house. I'm going to reverse. 
I'm gonna help reverse everything that's going on in my son's heart right now. I'm gonna do some things here. He does, the father does three things. He says, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine who was dead and is now returned to life was lost, but now he is found so the party began. Again, this is the verse a lot of people read and think, okay, this is, this is about people who are unsaved. And again, I don't have any problem using this because I think we have some freedom in Scripture to realize, hey, this could have a double meaning to it. But I really think when Jesus is telling the story, he's thinking more of his followers than he is somebody who's never had a relationship with him. Because remember, the prodigal is still a son. He's still a son. But he's wandered. Remember, here's, here's how I can tell you he's still a son and, and, and why I can sit there and say, I think this is a message for believers because he had already received inheritance. Listen, nobody gets an inheritance from the Lord if they're not in relationship with him. Hello? It's, it's, it's very uncommon for people to receive a death benefit from people they don't know. It does happen, but very rarely. <clears throat> And actually, to tell you the truth, I think God does do that sometimes with people that are unsaved. You know the reason why? I think the Lord realizes some people, he already knows, they're never gonna give their heart to me. And because I love them so much, I'm gonna bless them now because it's the only chance I'm gonna have because they're gonna spend eternity without me. And I love them. And I want them to have something because I'm good and I give. So I think the Lord does do it once in a while with people, probably even more often than we think. <clears throat> Excuse me, lost my place here. Okay, so here's the point. The son's want, remember we talked about point number one, his want turned to waste. But I want you to see what God does. God takes all the waste and he turns it into a win for the son. This is the reason why you've probably heard Julie and I both say at different times, especially if you've met with us in person one-on-one -on -one and, and you've shared any story with us about some um, a, a, a traumatic event in your life. We've always told, listen, nothing's ever wasted. I don't care how bad you think you were. I don't care how bad it was of something that somebody did to you, and that's not to sound insensitive. I'm telling you, we have a redemptive God who can restore everything. Nothing is ever wasted if you're in proximity to him. And many believers in churches are not walking in that revelation. And we need to get a clue because I've got a lot of poopy in my life I would love for the Lord to take and he's taken a lot and he's turned it to something good. And I'm walking in it now. So here, here's what we got. We got three items. This is the win. Three items. Sandals, a robe, and a ring. It's almost as the father is teaching his son that the inheritance is not about me giving you what you want. It's about you walking with weight. Let me say it this way. It's about you walking in power and authority. That's what this is really all about. He didn't give him what he wanted. He gave him weight. 
please catch this point because this is exciting. This is something, if you'll catch this today, every one of you can walk out of here completely different than when you walked in that door. But you've got to take this truth and let it leak from your noggin into your heart because that's where the transformation is going to take place. This is the area where the Lord spent some time talking to me today, in particular on the third item. But first of all, he gave him sandals. First of all, only servants and slaves ever went barefoot. Only servants and slaves went barefoot. The prodigal returned home without shoes. That's a sign of having become extremely destitute. Extremely destitute. Declaring that he wasn't even in the place to be treated as a son, but only as a servant. So he not only lost everything, again, his heart put him in a place where he didn't even know who he was. Who he was. The robe. The robe represents the righteousness of the Father. The scriptures talk about how we, you know, we are, we are wearing, we're wearing robes of righteousness. The robes that he's given us. So there's, go home and just use your glossary, use a, 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 a concordance, whatever you want, and just start searching this whole thing about the word robes. But it represents righteousness with a father. It's a fancy word that just simply means right standing. Right standing. As soon as he came home, he didn't have to do anything, and he was immediately in right standing with a father. And I'm telling you, you don't have to do anything as believers to earn your way to right standing with the Father. You've already got it if you would just go put the robe on. Wear your robe. Here's, a, here's two things that the robe did. First of all, it declared to the villagers that he's now in right standing with the Father. Everybody on the outside could see, I know who he belongs to. See, when we're walking righteously, when our heart is changed and it starts to come out in the fruit of our lives, everybody, including the brain dead, can tell something's different about us. And as believers, we shouldn't be so odd that people are like, what is wrong with them? But we should look decidedly different where people are sitting there thinking, do they not know there's a storm around us? Here's the other thing that the robe did. It also reminded him that he was in right standing with the Father. See, when we're wearing robes of righteousness and it starts to come out of our heart, then proper behavior starts to happen. And you start to realize, hey, ting, I know I just did something right. And it's not because you're just cognitively thinking about it. I really believe the reason why you realize, hey, ka-ching, I can toss someone up for me, is because the person of the Holy Spirit is going, good job. You just won again. Robe of righteousness. The orphans always believe they have to prove in order to earn right standing. It doesn't take them. If you're paying attention, you'll see us in people all the time. Even in their serving attitude in church, it's not because their heart's there. They're trying to earn to the next level. Unfortunately, a lot of times, well, I want to get to this level and that level and this level so I can be up on the platform. Can I just be honest with you? If it's a healthy church, you're never going to find yourself on the platform because the leadership is going to realize your heart's in the wrong place. Not that there's something wrong with you, but you haven't matured to that point. And if you haven't matured to that point, 
and you're still an adolescent in your attitude, you will keep other people from maturing in their walk. Sons and daughters know that no matter what my mistake is, when I run to the Father, I'm in right standing with him. That's what I was telling you a little bit ago. When I know that I did a boo-boo, oh, Lord, I know that we're gonna walk to the woodshed on this. Just get it over with. And you know what I've found out is every time I feel that way, he's never shamed me. I've never had that walk to the woodshed and thought, man, I don't ever wanna do that again. You know what I've thought? Next time, I am not gonna wait so long. Because I found, oh, this is good. I found I do most of my growing on those trips to the woodshed. You think you're on a trip to the outhouse. (laughs) But the Lord is taking you to the woodshed because he's building character in you. Okay, so let's talk about this next one, the ring. I love Lord of the Rings. The ring of power. Who's ever seen that movie? The Lord of the Rings. You know what I'm talking about, the rings of power. Now in the movie, the rings of power are bad because they are deceiving and they're evil. They will take you places you're not supposed to go and they always want to return to, let's just say the bad dude, okay? But that's not the case with the Lord. The ring, this is so good. If the ring, I'm sorry, if the robe actually told you who you belong to, the ring actually declares you now have the authority of the Father. Remember, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. And then what did he say after that? I give you this authority. So I want you to think about the ring of authority for a minute. There's another story where this Roman leader comes to Jesus because he has a servant that's sick and dying. And he's asking for help. But he tells Jesus, he says, you don't even need to come. Don't even come. Don't waste your time. Because I'm a man of authority, and I know where authority comes from. And I know you have the authority. You just speak it, and it's done. Jesus is like, I haven't seen, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. It's a very powerful faith. This guy understood what authority means. And I'm telling you, I think a lot of us in the church, we don't understand. We don't really believe the authority. We think, yeah, we have authority. Right. You know, Jesus gave us so I don't think we realize the power of authority. Let me tell you something. When we did this series set free a couple of years ago that we're about to go through again, one of the things that I shared in there is that we need to understand the authority that God has given us over demonic, evil spirits. And the authority that he has given us literally means they have to respond as obedient, submissive slaves. Well, if that's true, then how come we see so many times when we hear stories or read stories where people are praying for somebody that's under demonic influence and it seems like nothing's happening? I'll tell you why. Because this is something the Lord revealed to me a couple years ago that I hadn't caught until I was teaching this series. If a demonic evil spirit believes and, or knows that you don't really believe the authority you have, then he's going to sit there and go, you don't believe it. I don't have to do it. And I think there's a lot of religious leaders that have a head understanding, but not a confident understanding of the authority they've been given 
because they don't understand demonic forces have to be obedient, submissive slaves. And that's why after we went through the series and I walked with some, a few folks through some stuff they've been dealing with for, for years, they got set free. Because I knew the authority that I had. The Lord showed me at that time, son, you need to go into this with confidence of knowing that I've not only given you a robe of righteousness, I've given you my signet ring of authority. Use the ring. And what I'm trying to tell you is every single one of you have access to a ring. So if demonic spirits have to be so obedient, submissive slaves to us, is it possible that maybe sin or, or, or sickness uh, you know, disease also has to be, that maybe the elements have to be because the same authority that spoke the world into existence. Is it not possible at least? We have been given a ring of authority. And here's what I really felt the Lord telling me today. And I don't think it's just happenstance that we have so many people who are sick because at the end of this service right now, I'm going to have some of the worship, uh, not worship team. I'm going to have the altar team come up here. I'm telling you, if you need prayer for anything, come up and get prayer. And the others of you in the altar team, when you pray, I want you to pray with authority that you know that you're speaking into the atmosphere and it has to be an obedient, submissive slave and healing can happen. I really felt the Lord tell me that this is the reason why some ministries will see healings all the time and others don't. They just have a head understanding, but there's not a heart understanding of who they are. And I want City Hope Church to be a church full of people that know, I want you to have confidence when you pray. When you pray in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ, it will move mountains. And that's the point that Jesus was trying to make. It doesn't mean that you're always going to see an immediate healing. Remember, God still has his plan of things. My dad had a ministry here where Hundreds of people got healed, miraculous healings. Howie and Elizabeth Jessmore have a mother that was, had multiple sclerosis. We used a walking, she used a walker and was dealing with paralysis at one time for 17 years and she walked out normal carrying the walker. Listen, yes, but here's something I realized and I never caught this. My dad knew the authority he had. He was confident. I think sometimes he was a little bit overconfident in himself, okay? Because he was still a human being. I'm not trying to pick on him. I think there were some times where the flesh got in the way, but I saw amazing things happen. Remember, there's a gift of healing as well. But we, we need, you and I need to grab a hold of this truth. Start wearing your ring. Start wearing your rings. It's been given to you. The robe turns you from a sinner to a saint, but that ring makes you the representative of the Father. All through history, if you know anything about history at all, I mean, coming up through the Dark Ages when Europe was controlled by kings and everything, their representatives always got a ring that represented the authority of the king. And they would seal letters with it, dump, dump some wax on it and seal it. Man, you, you better not break that seal if that wasn't intended for you. Oh, that's actually really good because I just thought of something. Remember the seven sons of Sceva in Acts? These are, the, these are the guys who went after some demonic spirits and got their, their tails whooped. Listen, they, weren't, they didn't have robes of righteousness. They weren't, they, weren't, they weren't in relationship with the Father and they didn't have the ring of the authority. Remember what the, the, demon, the demon said to them? Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who you? And then they went running out naked and afraid. And now we have a movie about it or a television show or something. So 
never mind. All right, listen to me. You will get to heaven with a robe, but you're only gonna bring heaven to yourself if you get the stinking ring. We say that again. Regarding the robe, you're going to get to heaven by wearing the robe, you're saved. But if you wanna bring heaven to you now, get a ring. Start walking in the abundance and the authority. Start making this the abundant life because as a son or a daughter, you can. Just put the ring on. Sons and daughters are given to a key to a safe because the father has learned he can trust them with the content. That's the reason why he gives them the key. Because they no longer have an orphan heart, but they have the heart of the father. So that's why they're given kings or keys to the kingdom. They have the heart of the father. John 5 or 15, 7 says this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know, first of all, the most important, remain in me. He's saying, wear the robe. Just, just wear the robe. It comes out, it manifests itself in righteous living. But, but come home, stay in proximity to me, rest in me, be a son or daughter, just wear the robe. And then secondly, he says, you know what? Use the ring I gave you. Use the ring I gave you. See, here's the thing. See, when you're wearing the ring, you can go into the store and buy anything you want because the Father's provided for it. That's some good stuff. But you gotta be in healthy relationship. You gotta understand who you are. So here's the key. Only sons and daughters know how to use the rings. They're the only ones who know how to use it. Because an orphaned heart is based out of fear. Well, what if? What if? But a spirit of adoption, a spirit of adoption is based on faith and rest. This is the reason why faith is so important to the Lord. Because it's a substance. It's a substance of things hoped for and not yet seen and not yet seen. The son was always a son even while he was still living like a prodigal. Don't shame yourselves. But he was rebellious at one point in self-centered life. But then he got that revelation. He got that clue. But it was always there. The revelation is I've always had this. As sons and daughters, you and I have always had access to this. The question is, has it been revealed to you? The, revel the revelation of the love of the Father. To what, to what degree do you understand and get it? Father's love never left the son. But the orphaned heart caused him to walk away from the Father's love. His heart was in the wrong place. When he traded his orphan heart for sonship, please hear this, right standing and authority came with it. This is the reason why this series is so important on our identity. You gotta know who you is. You gotta learn to walk in that. I'll end with this verse, Luke 15, 24. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Party began. Some of you in this room are lost. You're saved, 
but you don't know who you are. And you're wondering why it just seems to seem always be the same old, same old. Your heart's in the wrong place. You don't believe what the Father's given you. And you can leave here today wearing sandals, a robe, and a ring. It doesn't have to be the same. Why don't you stand up with me? Ultra team, if you would come up. For those of you who need healing, anything, come up. And a matter of fact, altar team, if you would, have, get the oil ready. Have the oil ready. I want them to anoint you and pray for you. They're gonna pray with the authority that God's giving them. You're gonna receive it by faith. Do not walk out of here sitting here thinking, oh, well, I prayed for it before. Well, maybe, well, if that's how you did it, that's why you weren't, aren't healed. Well, I prayed for it before, it hasn't gone away. Don't do that. Come up here. They're going to pray with authority. You're going to receive with expectation. I'm not leaving here the same way because your sons and your daughters. Do me a favor. Why don't you lift your hands out here like this? Heavenly Father, I pray for every single person in this room. May this be the day that changes in everybody's life. Not one orphan walks out that door right now. Father, everybody who's here, walks out as a son or as a daughter. Their feet are shod with sandals. They're wearing the robes of your righteousness. And if they've never come to know you, then we pray that today, this is where they get to put the robe on. This is where they get to be called a son or a daughter for the first time. And when they leave here, they will have the authority that you gave them to move mountains to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to proclaim righteousness, to start to walk in righteousness. Father, sin and sickness no longer have dominion when you're wearing the ring. So Lord, I pray that for everybody here. In the name of Jesus, I pray it for them. I ask for it to be received. Father, I ask for you to administrate it from heaven even right now this moment. May you give the command from your throne to quick, go get the fatted calf, put sandals on their feet, put a robe on them, put a ring on them. These are my sons and daughters. And for everybody in here, if you would just, again, just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Do I need to put one or all three of these things on? And if I don't have a relationship with you, just ask him, can, I, can you adopt me today? Will you adopt me? I'm telling you right now, the answer is yes, but he's not gonna force it on you. In the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church. 